0: I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details.
3: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring.
4: Hey, everybody. Before we get started today, just wanted to throw out a little content warning. If you're not familiar with the Bobbits, their story does contain sexual violence, bodily harm, and spousal abuse. If these are not comfortable topics for your ears, you can hang back, and our next episode is all about happy people having fun. So we'll see you then. If you are in for this ridiculous ride, then here we go.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Hey! I'm Eli.
4: And I'm Diana.
1: We're here talking about... Bobbitts.
4: Oh, now this is a ridiculous romance you might remember from 1993 when it dominated headlines after Lorena Bobbitt famously took a knife and sliced off her husband John's penis and then threw it out the window of a moving car.
1: Yes, not the fairy tale romance you might remember about the Bobbitts.
4: quite a Cinderella story. No. No Hallmark movie made about it, sadly. Not this one. <laughs>
1: But a very interesting story nonetheless. It's so much more than just, you know, dismemberment. It's so much more than, you know, what we all remember, at least for us. I mean, I was nine when this Mm -hmm. was happening. So to me, it was all just schoolyard parody songs and like funny haha. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not funny haha. It's... It's funny, wow. Yeah. At best.
4: There there are some funny haha moments. There are. <laughs> it's a
1: really strange story. These are a really Interesting couple of people, each in their own way, wow. and we're yeah. going to get into that.
4: So let's dive in. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or no romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Um, So tell us about Lorena.
4: Lorena Gallo. She was born in Ecuador in 1969. She was raised in Venezuela and she grew up idolizing American culture. She loved American movies and television and she just, the American dream was very big deal for her. So she moved to Virginia on a student visa in 1987 and she worked as a manicurist at a salon owned by a woman named Janet Bassetti, who will come in to the story later. And at a dance hall near the U.S. Marine Corps base in Quantico, she met John Wayne Bobbitt, a lance corporal in the U.S. Marines. And it was like an instant attraction. This is the Cinderella part of the story, I guess you could say, because uh, she thought he was very handsome. He had blue eyes. A man in uniform fighting for the American dream. And he thought she was pretty and innocent and sweet.
1: I mean, and if she was obsessed with American culture growing up
4: Mm in
1: the '70s, and she meets a guy named John Wayne Bobbitt,
4: who's in the Marines, in the
1: Marines, come on,
4: done, blue eyes, that's it,
1: that's all, that's the last ingredient.
4: (laughs) So they got married. She was 20 and he was 22 in 1989, and it quickly went south. What? I know. I know. This is the this is the heartbreaking part, I guess. Is that uh
1: it wasn't much before the heartbreaking
4: part. <laughs> yeah. The Cinderella part was very short-lived, but you know, this case was a big deal because uh there was a lot of accusations on Lorena's side that throughout their marriage, he raped her, he beat her. She said he threatened to have her deported. That he forced her to do anal sex and have an abortion just sounds like kind of a a friggin' nightmare for Lorena to be married to her American dream man. For John's part, he said that she was always wanting nicer things and a bigger house and a a Mercedes and all the stuff that Jana Bassetti, the salon owner, had So he didn't like that she was exposed to this lifestyle that he couldn't afford, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it it made her envy that. And he thought that she was a bad influence, leading her to want to be more extravagant, things Mm -hmm. they couldn't afford. I
4: guess he thought Lorena was greedy. And then it didn't help at all that he eventually was discharged from the Marines in 1991, had no job, and they fully relied on Lorena's job to keep them afloat. And she actually ended up embezzling Over $7,000 from Janet Bassetti, her boss and friend, because she had to pay the mortgage all by herself. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is not a great marriage between Lorena and John. Pretty unstable uh, situation over there.
1: Yeah, things were tough. You know, this was a struggling, you know, lower lower middle class American couple discharged from the Marines. Couldn't find out why he was discharged from the Marines. Mm -hmm. That's not uh, out there.
4: I think the military doesn't love to share that information, like, unless they have to, I suppose.
1: But they were living that uh, that American dream of, of financial struggle and...
4: Uh, <laughs> the true American mm-hmm. dream. So their house was foreclosed on. No
1: excuse. I want to add well, also, no excuse no, for, obviously, for violent behavior, obviously aggressive not. behavior. We,
4: we do not condone dismemberment on this podcast. Well,
1: and before that, though, not an excuse for his behavior.
4: Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And for what it's worth, you know, the case at the time, they couldn't really seem to figure out one way or the other who was telling the truth. But as you get through the story, you can kind of see that John is an unreliable narrator at best. Yeah. So, yeah, so their house is foreclosed on despite the embezzlement, I guess. Um, They broke up a year later. They got back together, but did not take and apparently they had already agreed to re-separate when, on the early morning of June 23rd, 1993, Lorena went to her kitchen for a glass of water, saw a kitchen knife, picked it up, went back to the bedroom, sliced off John's penis, and fled the house in their mercury capri, penis in hand.
1: This, of course, ended up being a huge oh, national story. I mean, it was all over. All over the news, she was 24, he was 26. Like we said, they had agreed to separate again. John had come home from a nighter drinking with his friend Robert Johnston, and uh, Lorena claims that he raped her before he fell asleep, so that was her motivation in that moment. Uh, she kind of
4: snapped, I guess, yeah, over a period of years of pressure. Oh, absolutely, it finally erupted in her. She also says. Said in interviews that she didn't realize she had really done it until she was already away from the house, and she realized mm-hmm. that she was holding it, and it was just a very crazed uh, situation for her. And I imagine John too. I I can't imagine that it was an easy night.
1: No. Well, he thought that she was going in for a for some. What's the way to say this? Some manual sex, <laughs> hand job,
4: a shake weight. Um. Yeah. A shake
1: weight. He thought she was going in for a shake weight. And uh, that's not what happened. So Robert Johnston, uh, the friend, said that on her way out the door, she stopped to steal $100 and John's Game Boy.
4: Maybe his next mm. most prized possession.
1: Insult to injury, I guess.
4: <laughs> She's like, these are the two things he spends his the most of his time with. Yeah. And I'm going to take them both. <laughs> so Lorena leaves in the Mercury Capri. She drives to Jana Bassetti's house and... On the way there, she flings the penis out of the window into a grassy field opposite a 7-Eleven. And Jana Bassetti, apparently, upon first seeing Lorena, said, oh, Lord, what's John done now? Which <laughs> <laughs> certainly lends some weight to, I guess, Lorena's side of the mm-hmm. story. But also, once she found out what had happened, did say, maybe we should call 911. <laughs> and she's the one who told the cops where the penis could be found. They found it. They were very impressed it's by amazing. how intact it was.
1: This is this is uh, uh, amazing CSI work by these guys. Uh, Agent Johnson, you're not gonna believe what we're gonna send you looking for. Agent Johnson, we got a code eleven.
4: Code eleven?
1: Yep, we got a missing penis in a field outside of Seven Eleven. There's a code for that. It's eleven.
4: Because <laughs> it looks like two penises over.
1: That's right. That's how we name codes by the shape of the crime.
4: <laughs>
1: over now. <and out. laughs>
4: So, and this is kind of funny. Apparently, the cops did did go into the 7-Eleven and fill a big bite hot dog box with ice so that they could transport the penis from the grassy field to the hospital.
1: Incredibly, in a nine and a half hour operation by a plastic surgeon, they successfully reattached John Bobbitt's penis.
4: And the urologist you know, told John that if they couldn't find his penis, they'd just have to cover over whatever was left, and he would, from now on, have to pee sitting down, and he would never have sex again. And John gave him a high five and said, Do your best. (laughs)
1: That's that's true. That is from a Washington Post article called A Stitch in Time that came out at the time. And this was everybody was writing articles. A Stitch in Time.
4: There was a New York Times one that was a cut above. A
1: cut above, (laughs) you know.
4: Love Hurts, I think, were some of them. There's all kinds of jokes, of course. I mean, impossible to not make any weird even making them ourselves to this day.
1: But we're taking it very seriously.
4: Incredibly seriously. This is academic and scholarly.
1: Scholarly jokes.
4: Scholarly, Library of Congress style jokes. So Time Magazine said that at the time when she was arrested, uh, Lorena told the police that, this is a quote, he always have orgasm and he doesn't wait for me ever to have orgasm. He's selfish. So take... Take it just a note. I just want every, I just want those words to sink in for all the listeners. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Everybody at home, that's important information because it's selfish. It is selfish, you know, drives people to do things. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's, I couldn't, can't recommend that it drives you to To mutilate your partner, but
4: I'm sure if that was the only thing, it wouldn't have ended up. No, that's probably true.
1: She said that she wanted to teach him a lesson and that she was doing it for survival. He says that she didn't want him to leave her because they'd been married for four years and they needed to be married for five years for her to get her green card. So he tried to turn it into this this citizenship argument.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure her immigrant her immigration status was probably a big part of the story too. I'm sure.
1: I just don't see how it holds up because if I'm saying, well, I don't want you to leave me because I need us to be married for another year... I don't think that there's a really logical conclusion that, so I'll cut your penis off.
4: Right. So I'll commit a crime. I'll have to go to jail?
1: This'll keep us together.
4: He thought, oh, she'll stay in America because she'll go to prison for five to ten years.
1: But even then, they they have to be married. It doesn't matter if she's in America for five years. They have to stay married. I don't think cutting off his penis was a way for her to get him to stay married to her. It it, It doesn't hold up. I don't think so. And perhaps that's why he was acquitted of the charge of marital rape and she was acquitted for malicious wounding for reasons of temporary insanity,
4: Mm -hmm.
1: essentially meaning that no one could really tell whose fault it was.
4: Yeah, they just didn't want to put all the blame on either party, which is fair, I suppose. I mean, she didn't, certainly you shouldn't dismember somebody, but obviously she shouldn't be punished because she was retaliating under incredibly... But difficult doesn't... circumstances. So I guess it was sort of like a washing of the hands in the court where they were like, and you both, we're both, we're done with both of you.
1: But they said, what, what does make sense to me is they said, Lorena, we're not going to charge you of malicious wounding because we understand what you've been through. But to the guy who put you through that, we're going to say, well, maybe you didn't do that. So it doesn't matter. That's crazy. That's both admitting that she did go through that kind of experience and saying, no, she didn't at the same time. That's a great point. Sloppy. Sloppy. Terrible justice system.
4: (laughs) For this and many other reasons. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, and I read this great Vanity Fair article all about, it's been 25 years since the Bobbitts and stuff, and they did a really good profile of John Wayne Bobbitt and Lorena, and they were kind of pointing out that, of course, in the 90s, there was a lot going on about the conversation about misogyny and rape and uh, rape culture, much like the Me Too era. And the top movie in 90, 1991 was Thelma and Louise, which is about a thwarted rape. Anita Hill was testifying about Coke cans and pubic hairs during Clarence Thomas's SCOTUS confirmation hearing. So feminists were pretty much behind Lorena, but another article pointed out that, of course, it's a male-dominated media, so it kind of just turned everything into a big joke, and there was a lot of jabs and and stabs. Is, mm. that, a, is mm. that a bad pun for this? Nobody got stabbed. That's true. Nobody got stabbed. They got sliced. Yeah. But not stabbed. Yeah. So I'll allow it. So thank you. I appreciate that permission. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: Always get your husband's permission on your jokes, everybody. That's the lesson today. These are not the views of iHeartMedia. <laughs>
4: They really are not. They really, they're not. They really are not. They're not anyone's views. <laughs> but uh, kind of like our tasteless jokes, vendors outside the courthouse during the trial hawked hot dogs and sliced sodas. Oh wow! They had t-shirts that said "Love Hurts" and they sold penis-shaped chocolates. So this, everybody just really matured during this time.
1: This was huge. I mean, it was everywhere. Uh, CNN was airing the trial. And they had to interrupt it to show President Bill Clinton's talks on Ukraine nuclear disarmament. And people were furious. The phone boards lit up with people calling, I'm missing the Bobbitt case. Who cares about nukes? I want to hear about the dick. Nuclear disarmament? Who cares about that? I'm talking about John Wayne Bobbitt's disarmament. Oh. Something like that. (sighs) It's hard to be tasteful with this story.
4: It sure is. But let me cut you off right there because we need to take a break. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> well, I guess there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
2: This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, Somebody's in the house and I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
3: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: And we're back with more of John and Lorena Bobbitt.
1: They start talking about movie rights. Lorena even said she hoped Marissa Tomei would play her in the movie about her. Which we, we decided mm-hmm. wouldn't fly today wouldn't because this is an Ecuadorian That's woman. That's right. Not Marissa Tomei. No,
4: not Marissa Tomei. No.
1: Who's Italian. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously they split up.
4: Yeah. They As went you their said, separate ways. not a great way to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can uh,
1: we can work past this. So Lorena didn't really want the spotlight. She wasn't too sad when the movie deal fell through, and then she turned down several offers to make money off of this, including a million dollar offer to pose for Playboy. She said her family ate rice and beans to make ends meet, but she wanted to stay true to her Catholicism and her integrity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I mean, you know, it doesn't say thou shalt not dismember thy husband, <laughs> right? I don't know the Ten Commandments.
4: <laughs> it's not in there specifically. Okay. I feel like it's wise. I think too, it, he you know, them all. they're they're two separate, they're very, very different responses to the, the aftermath of this. Yes. Uh, might have something to do with the male-dominated media and how she was portrayed over how he was portrayed um I mean he was technically the victim of course mm-hmm. so but they really but, played that up and he I think he got forgiven a lot more quickly than she would have so if she had gone the way John did where he was kind of taking every opportunity to be out there um you know I don't think it would she would have been received at uh-huh. all the same way that he that he was Definitely. even though he was received as a joke and he is but. <laughs> but, yeah, but
1: I mean, again, going back to the schoolyard kind of attitude again, you know, being in fourth or fifth grade when this was happening, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my God, she cut that guy's dick off. Yeah. Like, oh, that sucks for him. Mm-hmm. Like, what a crazy lady. And that's, you know,
4: I remember no that
1: nuance. I mean, you know, of course, at that age, I'm not really going to understand that kind of nuance anyway. But sh- the conversation should have been there.
4: Right. It wasn't even covered from what I remember. Like, no. no nobody would even ask why. No. Like, I remember asking, well, why? You know, and I was just like, who cares? She did it. You know, yeah. that's all that matters. So it was just kind of really glossed over. And as you said, the age probably had a lot to do with it. It's, I mean,
1: I wasn't watching the trial itself. No. I didn't see any of these arguments. It was just... Rumors, it was just like jokes being passed around. That's as much as we knew about it.
4: Mm -hmm. At any rate, probably hell for Lorena, whether she wanted to make money off of it or not. I'm sure that it was not a comfortable time for her. She definitely seems to have withdrawn from the spotlight Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. She switched back to her maiden name, Gallo. She did get her citizenship. She met her current husband. His name's David Bellinger. um, When she re-enrolled in community college, they have a daughter And now she does spousal abuse advocacy. She started her own foundation, um, which is called the Red Wagon Foundation. Kind of lived quietly and just doing, I guess I won't say quietly, because she's definitely telling her story Mm -hmm. in order to further the work of her foundation. And there was a Jordan Peele documentary recently made. But for the most part, she's been really dedicated to this uh, spousal abuse um, nonprofit work.
1: She's focusing her attention on this rather than just capitalizing off of it
4: yeah yeah, yeah. basically and then the main thing that she thought was the big theme of it which was women can be abused by their husbands mm-hmm. and not have any way to get out of their situation so they stay longer than they should and or longer than they want to the only black mark on her record over this period of time is in 1997 she gets arrested for assaulting her mother elvia who lived with her but her mother didn't press charges and apparently said that her facial injuries were the result of a pimple, a big one. So how big? I mean, I guess she didn't hit her that hard if she could cover it up with a pimple story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned her husband.
4: Yeah, David David Bellinger. Yeah.
1: I feel like we need to pull into speculation station here. <laughs> I want to talk about what it's like to be married to someone who is famous for cutting off your husband's penis.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Like... Hmm. um. Mm-hmm. How often does that come up,
4: yeah, like whenever On... they fight, is she I... just like, "Oh do you want to keep talking?" And then she like carefully just heads toward the kitchen,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would hope he doesn't bring it up at all. It's not his business, right. I wonder at what point she told him. did he know when, when... they when they started dating who she was, or was this like a like know. a fifth date, like, okay, there's something I gotta tell you.
4: Imagine that you're
1: gonna hear some stories.
4: Now that's the hallmark movie I need to see. It's the two of them getting together and her awkward, her friends going. So have you said anything? <laughs> I haven't told him yet. You told him yet? Oh, I'm just
1: like oh, I don't and want to bring like,
4: it up. I used to be married, and he's like, "Oh, it's fine. I I know. I'm me too. I mean, it's the '90s. Who isn't divorced?" Sure. And she's like, "Well, actually,
1: <laughs> it's kind it of gets worse." Yeah.
4: Well, I bet I bet I can speculate that he makes her orgasm every time they do it.
1: I would I would think so. And that's not to say that she would do this again given the chance or anything like that.
4: No. Hopefully he treats her better in general yeah, so absolutely. she would not she deserves reach it. that breaking point.
1: And um
4: <laughs> but you got to wonder. It's, it's probably com-
1: it's got to come up. Cuz you know we like right? to win
4: a fight. Sure. <laughs> Every spouse likes to win a fight.
1: And that's a good... um,
4: (laughs) It's a good gauntlet to throw.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, John, on the other hand, milked every penny he could get. He went on a 40-city tour called Stump the Bobbit, where he would try to guess punchlines of jokes about his mutilation. He's probably out there trying to finish our sentences on this podcast (laughs) right now.
4: (laughs) No, because we're not paying him anything.
1: Well, to do that's it. true. Well, he <laughs> he's got to fill his time somehow these days true. he He would autograph steak knives. He went on Howard Stern uh, to be a judge on his New Year's Eve pageant along along with other famous celebrities, Tiny Tim, Mark Hamill, and Daniel Carver, the grand dragon of the Georgia KKK. what a what a crew. First of all, I don't know much about Tiny Tim. But Mark Hamill, what? I mean, it was a different time, you know. I'm sure a
4: different time. Look, I don't know. I'm just saying a different time. It's '93. I don't think it was still not cool to be in the KKK. No,
1: not so much about. No, none of them should have been there with the KKK. (laughs) That guy shouldn't have been on the show. Howard Stern ought to be ashamed of himself for inviting him. I'm more talking about. Yes, of course, um, Mark Hamill. What were you thinking? We love Mark Hamill. <laughs> That's true.
4: What I was just, that? What
1: I'm saying is, I think it was a different time for Mark Hamill. Oh, I oh, think oh, he's oh, grown oh. a lot since then <laughs> uh, because he seems like a really great guy right now. But you know, semi-famous people in the early '90s going on Howard Stern.
4: Do you think they knew who the other guests were when they said yes?
1: I'm gonna hope not. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna continue to hope. Where's
4: Mark Hamill going, oh, John Bobbitt. Sure. Tiny Tim. Yeah. Daniel Carver. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Happy New Year.
1: Regular who's who.
4: Let's ring in 94.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Seriously. Daniel Carver. My God. All of you. What the hell? So in 94, John's media advisor says he's made every appearance he can make. And it's over. But You're John, done,
4: John. You're done.
1: Undaunted, John, who's, who's overcome so much at this point, <laughs> decides to go to where dreams are made and travels to Las Vegas, where he meets another fine upstanding gentleman <laughs> by the name of Ron Jeremy.
4: Ah, Ugh. this starts John Wayne Bobbitt's short porn career. He did a porn called John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. And John said in the Vanity Fair interview, um, he says he did it to show that his penis was working, but that it wasn't all the way healed. And I see now that that was the point.
1: <laughs> yeah, John, that's what they wanted.
4: Yeah. Okay. They didn't no one... want a perfectly working John Wayne Bobbitt penis or else they would just get like another random penis yeah. to be there. Yeah.
1: Your fame but... is your busted dick.
4: Yeah. And That's what continues they're paying for. To, be to this God. day, uh, and he almost missed the premiere of that film because he was convicted of misdemeanor domestic battery against oh. his girlfriend Christina Elliott, who was a dancer at a topless cabaret, and he was s- sentenced to sixty days in jail. And the judge said that he had an attitude problem caused by his drinking.
1: Just a mess. I mean, at every step of the way, this guy's a disaster. He makes it's, a
4: bad decision every time he has a choice. Truly horrible person. Yeah. And I, again, if he's going to beat one person, it's not hard to imagine that he would beat other women that he was with.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, those patterns <clears throat> emerge. And, you know, it's the kind of guy that if you'd come across him at this point in his life and you didn't know who he was, you'd think, God, somebody ought to cut that guy's dick off. <laughs>
4: Because he is not responsible with it,
1: not advocating for any kind of mutilation or violence perpetrated against people, but I'm not sympathizing either. <laughs> so
4: there's that. I think there's room for both of those. Things. Yeah. Uh, Howard Stern offered to pay for him to get male enhancement surgery, penis enhancement surgery. Oh, um, probably a bad idea, right? And once it's been cut off and reattached and stuff, it just feels like you should leave it alone. Leave I it think alone. it would leave. I would leave it alone
1: quit picking at it they say you know
4: <laughs> you're gonna leave a scar.
1: you don't just keep coming back for more surgery most people i'd say 99.99 percent of people that's not a hard statistic i'm making this up never get surgery on their penis multiple surgeries
4: it's I, a I, lot I, but he really wanted to be famous i guess and yeah. that male enhancement surgery led to his second adult film with Ron Jeremy, which was called Franken Penis. It came out in 1996. If you want to check out that masterpiece. Um, and Ron Jeremy said, you, I'm sure it's not worth if seeing. you do
1: pirate it, <laughs> make sure nobody makes a penny <laughs> off that thing. Come on.
4: Uh, Yes, these are not the views of iHeartRadio, but they are the views of this podcast. Yeah, don't steal
1: media. I'm just saying, if you stream it for
4: free on iHeartRadio,
1: if I don't think they're streaming Frankenpenis. Oh
4: well, maybe they should.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, if a VHS, I'm just saying if a VHS falls off the back of a truck and you find it in the road, that's then then you can watch it if you want. Just oh, don't pay for That's a for curse it.
4: tape. Let's do, let's redo the ring, but it's Franken-penis. <laughs> seven days.
1: In seven <laughs> days, your dick will fall off.
4: Nobody would watch it. The movie would be five minutes long. People are a lot more protective of their dicks than of their lives. <laughs> um. uh, funnily, uh, Ron Jeremy once said, let's put it this way. With that type of procedure, length you can do, not thickness. John went for both, so turns out the result of all of this is that his dick resembled a dented Red Bull can.
1: That's that's how it's been. We haven't seen it. That's just how it's been described.
4: But yes, by his girlfriends, and I guess the porn actresses. But sure, acted with him.
1: Hopefully, the only people to ever see his dick again. No, I know. I know.
4: <laughs> Unfortunately, no.
1: Uh, And believe it or not, John's story does get crazier and crazier, so we don't want to leave you dangling, but we'll be right back.
2: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, welcome back, everybody.
1: Gird your loins because John Bobbitt's story hasn't even reached peak Bobbitude yet. <sighs>
4: Uh, Ron Jeremy says Uncut is actually one of the highest grossing adult films of all time. So that's something. But John still had money problems because, as we've seen before, he's not great at making decisions.
1: No, he went to work at a at a bunny ranch where he was fired and rehired several times. The guy who owned it is Dennis Hoff, the guy who won the 2018 state assembly race, even though he died a month before the election. (laughs) He was found dead by Ron Jeremy. After they celebrated his 72nd birthday at Ron Jeremy's Love Ranch with uh, rapper Flava Flav and Sheriff Joe Arpeo, among others. It's just so many Random. really great names popping up in this story. <laughs> just the really. A,
4: it's Howard Stern's New Year's Eve pageant ugh, all over again.
1: God, a whole slew of folks you just want. Oh, God. What a mess. Ron Jeremy's New Year's Eve party of horrible.
4: He was very much behind Dennis Hoff's run for the state assembly seat. So I guess it was part party, part campaign event. And yeah, he died at it and then still won. So what does that say about either his opponent or the state of Nevada? I don't know. Uh, John also had a short stint as a minister at a chapel in Las Vegas. Which
1: imagine, imagine going to Las Vegas to get married and saying,
4: ooh, let's do
1: the Bobbitt ceremony.
4: That harbinger of. Marital harmony, John Wayne Bobbitt.
1: <laughs> this is really, we're going to set things off on the right foot.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'd really like to start as I mean to go on. And that means having porn star John Wayne Bobbitt write his name on my marriage certificate. Uh, in 1999, he pled guilty to a grand larceny charge related to the theft of $140,000 worth of clothes. And he got five years probation. And four months later, he is found guilty of harassing his ex adult film star Desiree Luz. So just crushing it. He drifts for a while. He's still trying to find ways to make money out of all this, um, along with his lawyer, Barry Levinson, who is a scam artist who died in prison for defrauding several homeowners associations and the IRS.
1: And and I want to make sure, jump in and clarify here, that this is not Barry Levinson, the filmmaker, who directed Rain Man, Good Morning (laughs) Vietnam, Toys, Wag the Dog, among others. Very yeah. different Barry Levinson. No, no, no.
4: Completely different guy who is dead now. So, Wait, which? The the scam artist. He okay. died in prison.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Barry Levinson, the director, is alive and well. He is alive. <laughs> He's doing great things. He's got a, a new project coming up called Dope Sick, according to IMDb. Look, Barry Levinson's fine is yeah. what we're Barry saying Yeah, Barry Levinson's
4: here. cool. Barry Levinson is dead.
1: Yes. Ooh, Philippa Sue is in it. Oh. I'll watch it.
4: John appeared on a uh, Monday Night Raw on World, the World Wrestling Federation. Sure. course. What,
1: what's left?
4: He was supposed that... to fight Joey Buttafuoco, oh so my nothing. God. <laughs> nothing is left. <laughs> uh, but he missed that, much like his premiere, um, because he was charged with battering his third wife, Joanna Farrell, Good Lord. who is a fitness model. So you may have noticed I just said third wife. Lorena yeah. was his first wife.
1: Wait a second. Yes, there's John a Wayne second Bobbitt
4: wife. Was married. For uh, an unclear number of days, (laughs) I saw two days, 13 days, a couple of weeks, and 32 days, respectively, on different sources. But I think for the most part, it's maybe a week or so that he was married to a woman named Dottie Brewer in 2001. Which brings me to this episode's side piece. (laughs) Dottie Brewer. She is an author. She wrote a book, a tell-all, called... This Week I Married John Wayne Bobbitt, Extraordinary Stories from an Ordinary Life. Her other books include How to Shit Money, The Soul Cries, and I Saw Jesus in the Cat Food Bowl. And you should look her up. Her uh, publishing company is called Billion Dollar Baby Productions. (laughs) Uh, Dottie's bio on Amazon is that she was born in New Orleans and moved to Los Angeles. At an early age, she began reading any and everything spiritual. As a young adult, she began taking any and every spiritual class and or workshop. It is through her experiences that she gathered the knowledge that she imparts in her books. She currently lives in Delaware with her five cats, which I guess is where she saw Jesus in their bowl. And the review of her book about John Wayne Bobbitt is that it's part true life self-help text and the other part a no-holds-barred tell-all altogether a hoot and it has everything from breast implants to earthquakes marital distress ghosts drag queens panic attacks betrayal she does tell you what it's like to sleep with john wayne bobbit but not until the very end because she knows how to sell a book does And yeah. <laughs> she's gonna keep you on the edge of your seat <laughs> till the end and ghosts? Uh, yeah ghosts right. yeah she had an encounter with a witch doctor apparently um and a butcher
1: Ordinary life?
4: Come on. Mm-hmm. That's another reviewer was kind of like, she's good at, she's kind of a lady who makes some crazy choices and then she writes them down. <laughs> <laughs> but from a lot of the reviews are actually pretty good and it sounds like it might be a, a fun read. So anyway, Dottie Brewer. She right. was married to John Wayne Bobbitt for a little while. Thanks. That's her, that's her claim to fame. All
1: right. All right. <laughs> bunch of really fascinating characters in this story so now john wayne Bobbitt works in construction Mm -hmm. he drives a truck he split with joanna farrell and he was found not guilty for several battering charges uh and he moved back home to take care of his mother who was sick with cancer 2014 he gets into a car accident and he broke his neck That didn't kill him. He's still alive. No, yeah. In 2016, he got his penis reduced by the same surgeon who reattached it. And John said, I should have just left it alone.
4: That's what I told you in 1993, John. It's 2016, John. Now it's been all over Las Vegas. Jesus. Disgusting. (sighs) Uh, Yeah, and now, now he lives in Vegas off his disability settlement from when he broke his neck from that car accident, and a majority of his time was spent searching for a treasure chest that an eccentric millionaire named Forrest Fenn was rumored to have buried in the Rockies, but that was actually found in 2020, last year, June of 2020, it was found in Wyoming by a 32-year-old medical student, so John was kept from that treasure. I don't think he looked that hard for it, though.
1: I mean, he was totally off, right?
4: I I think he didn't really leave Nevada. I found a really funny passage in the Durango Telegraph uh, said that according to an unnamed employee of a Durango gear shop, someone claiming to be John Bobbitt asked for a grappling hook. When said employee explained that the store did not sell such devices, adding that they were in fact quite dangerous in the wrong hands, the man claiming to be Bobbitt allegedly played the rich and famous Do You Know Who I Am card, which... What a, I mean, again, what a claim to fame. It's not like that exciting. Do you know who I am? I had my dick chopped off, sir. Give me a grappling hook.
1: I'm the star of Frankenpenis, and, and I'll demand the respect I deserve.
4: <laughs> and you'll get it, too. <laughs> and the telegraph goes on to say, Then the customer, who is described as flamingly obnoxious, <laughs> went on to divulge that he was in search of Fenn's treasure which he believed to be hidden somewhere nearby. Why he needed such a treasure when he was already rich and famous was not explained. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets roasted by the Durango Telegraph. And yeah, and he lives in Vegas. And um, Lorena claimed in 2009 that he still sent her flowers and Valentine's cards. So she said he was still in love with her. He said more recently that she was stubborn and crazy So
1: either way, they've communicated.
4: They have communicated. It took a while, but they did. They have been in the same room, and uh, their legacy beyond this episode and many others like it about their story is that a worm that attacks its prey with scissor-like jaws was named for the case. It's called the Bobbit worm. Well, which makes sense. It's a worm, after all. Yeah. That's. Do you think when they found the worm, they put it in a big bite hot dog box (laughs) filled with ice?
1: I hope so. Just take
4: it back to the lab? Yeah. Just full circle. For old
1: time's sake. <laughs> I wonder if John hangs onto that hot dog box. I wonder if they let him keep it.
4: What a souvenir.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
4: It's my dick in a box.
1: It really was.
4: His dick was in a box.
1: His dick was in a box.
4: But it wasn't a gift. It was a curse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so John's, John Wayne Bobbitt has the Bobbitt worm as his legacy. Lorena Gallo has a, a much better legacy... The Gallo Foundation is dedicated mm-hmm. to spousal abuse, marital rape. Um, not dedicated to, dedicated to awareness. <laughs>
4: it's really
3: into on these issues.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, from from our cursory research, a cause worth supporting for sure. So uh, she's she's been in the media a lot, especially recently. Like we said, Jordan Peele put out a documentary recently mm-hmm. it's about like four the story. Parts, I
4: think, yeah. It's so be good.
1: Fortunately, a, a better legacy than what John was left with. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a tough story because you don't want to condone someone taking a knife to anyone else. It maybe wasn't the best choice. But
4: but... the more you get to know him, the more you get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the more he does, the more he seems to reinforce the the kind of character that he was in in the... Circumstances that he brought upon himself. Mm -hmm. And this story, we didn't focus as much on their actual romance because what what kind of romance are we looking at? Yeah, there was one. It it doesn't seem that way.
4: It was nice for a minute. It seemed like maybe a good year, Mm -hmm. but then maybe not even a year because it really didn't take very long for.
1: But the fallout of that romance is certainly insane.
4: From. Him thinking she was coming in to give him a hand job, mm-hmm. like a nice nightcap, to him searching the Rockies for a fortune that wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, the guy certainly lived, has lived a life. He's lived out loud. He, oof, yeah.
4: He has lived out yeah. loud. Yeah. Turn it down. <laughs> yeah. Dial it back, John. Uh, but mm. if you were around for the Bobbitt trial, yes. um, or if you have any thoughts on this episode at all, if you know anything about this stuff, or if you met either of these people or anyone who knew oh, him, sure, sure. You know Ron yeah. Jeremy, if you are Ron Jeremy, I don't know. I
1: don't want to hear from Ron Jeremy. I guess I don't
4: want to hear from Ron Jeremy. I don't t- you
1: know what, Ron Jeremy, if you're listening, don't email us. I don't want to hear it.
4: So if you're anyone but Ron Jeremy, please feel free to reach out to us at romance at com.
1: That's right. You can follow us both also on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Oh great, It's Eli.
4: And I'm at Diana Might Boom.
1: Thanks for tuning in.
4: let well, will see you next time. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show Ridiculous Romance.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
1: work.